When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, where I help those in recovery master their mind so they can overcome their limiting beliefs and create a life so good for themselves that they never want to go back to their old way of living. And today I'm excited. This is actually the start to a five-part mini-series. So every day this week, you're going to be hearing from the team of Touched by Addiction. So make sure you stay tuned, tune in every day, share it out with a friend because I love what these guys do and I'm here to support their mission. Now, I have always believed that we meet people or people come into our lives for a reason and at the right time. And I think, you know, meeting Bowdoin from Touched by Addiction is no different. They actually reached out to me a couple months ago and asked me if I wanted to contribute to their new book that's coming out where they share stories of people who have overcome addiction and done something great with their lives. And so, of course, I was completely honored thinking, I got to have these guys on my show. I mean, you know, they really work to raise money to get people into long-term treatment. And I completely stand behind that. You know, these guys all have their own story of overcoming addiction and coming into recovery and really just being on a mission now to help others achieve that long-term sobriety. So I think it's incredibly cool. You know, one of the things that I love about connecting with other entrepreneurs in recovery is that you can just hear the passion within them when they speak. And Bowdoin is no different. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You'll get to hear the interview where Bowdoin talks about his story and how he overcame addiction, what inspired him to start Touched by Addiction. We also talk about the upcoming book and we talk about how you can support the cause. They've even, you know, they're they're going to be on a mission to book speaking engagements so they can go talk to other people about addiction and recovery. So I love what these guys stand for. And if you know someone who needs to get into a treatment facility and would like to help sponsor them, please reach out to these guys at www.touchedbyaddiction.com. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited because I'm hanging out with Bowden from Touched by Addiction. How are you? I am doing phenomenal, Tamar. I couldn't be more excited of uh, being a, on your podcast, being on your show. And uh, we've had a chance to connect over the last month. And uh, it's been a blossoming relationship, to say the least. I, I can see this going farther and further and further and uh, working together and uh, expanding this and helping countless and countless and countless of people that are struggling with addiction and mental health all around. I'm very excited for this. 
Ah, uh, me too. And I just got my Touched by Addiction hoodie. So we're going to put some links. You can see the website down there as well. Um, so we're going to talk about how you can support their cause. But I love what you guys do because it really aligns with what I want to do as well or what I'm currently doing. So, you know, like we talked about before we, we started the interview, um, I always like to dig into the part of the story about what was life growing up because it's so different from everyone. And I want to get rid of that stigma, right? That people think, you know, because I wasn't homeless, I didn't go to jail. And, but that doesn't make me any less of an addict or an alcoholic than you, exactly. right? We, exactly. we respond to it the same way. So for you, what was life like growing up and kind of what was that point when you discovered drugs and alcohol? You know what? Like you said, everybody's is different. And I mentioned to you before, I went to a rehab. I went to a few, but the last went to two. The last rehab, it was Teen Challenge in London, which is a group of 52 men. 52 men that are there for a year. Mind you, people leave and go. We probably had over between 80 and 100 people leave throughout while we completed the year, right? So you're meeting a lot of people, and I'm telling you, not one story was the same. So exactly like you're saying, every single person had a different kind of upbringing, different kind of story that led them to, you know, to, to a certain point. But I'll begin with mine, right? So... I was born in Lviv, Ukraine, a very western part of Ukraine, close to Poland, Eastern Europe. And uh, life was, uh, it was, it's, uh, it's um, at that point, especially, it was, a, it's a, it was a very poor kind of area, right? But again, I lived in this apartment with, uh, it was my mom, my grandpa, my grandma, my brother. My dad was in Germany for most of that time, working, bringing, studying, bringing us money and so forth. The only way to survive sometimes in those kind of conditions is if you have people overseas working in Italy, working in Germany, working in other countries and sending money over. Right. So we were there. And um, I think the one big thing that hit me, my grandpa was uh, was like my best friend. He became somebody very close to me. He would take me fishing. He would take me mushroom picking. I was very close to that man. He, he raised canaries. At one point, he had 80 canaries in a tight little apartment, right? And he would feed them. He would play this record, and they would the males would copy the song, and they would sing the song. It was the most beautiful thing. Anyway, and then I find out at the age of 10, but guess what? We're going to Canada. In my mind, this was a trip. And then I realized it was permanent, and that hurt me because I came here. My parents were very occupied. We weren't making any money. Like, I think my dad was making something $500 a month. My mom wasn't working at that time. So it was a very difficult, like, financial time, right? My brother was three years younger, and I matured at a, a quicker pace. So uh, I didn't have friends. So what I used to do, I used to write to my dad and my grandpa, like, three to five times a week. That's what I spent my time. I was just outside. I was writing, writing. And then about six months later, he, uh, he, I got a call that he was dying from cancer, and that really hurt me. And uh, he passed away because I wanted to be with him. And I think that's where a little bit of that fear of abandonment, because that's what I was kind of like diagnosed with, uh, happened. Because I'm here in a new country. I don't really know anybody. I have no friends. And, um, and I can't go back where I want to be. Right? And I'm kind of stuck here. Anyway, fast forward elementary school high school I started learning the language I started building up friends and I have a very large circle of friends I went to college so I graduated high school I went to college for mechanical engineering technology 
by the skin of my teeth, I graduated that, right? I was a bit of a rebellious kid. That's when the partying started, but it wasn't heavy at that point, right? It was like, it was drinking, typical college kind of lifestyle. Yeah, every so often rare cocaine use kind of thing, but it was very rare, right? Nothing, nothing big about that. Then, uh, then what happened? Then I graduated college. I went to university. I went to Lakehead University to upgrade my diploma to a mechanical engineering degree. Again, by the skin of my teeth and resourcefulness and trying to organizing these groups of people because I couldn't keep up with the lectures. I'm telling you, I would go into the lectures. Ima like imagine going in a month in, and uh, the teacher asking about a certain you know question. And you putting your hand up and being like, sorry, sir, what does that symbol mean? And him saying that symbol was explained in day one a month ago. And you're a month later not knowing what that is. So I'm like, okay, sorry. So I started these groups of students where we started hanging out, meeting in empty classrooms, sometimes 20, 30 people together where you're no longer afraid to ask questions, right? And I remember I even would bribe the best students be like, look, they had Tanker Tuesday where you buy like a tanker of beer for a really cheap. I'm like, I'll buy you two tankers if you come in and teach us just for a half hour and answer some of our questions, right? So through that, I passed university, got out, found a really good job at ArcelorMittal DeFasco and Hamilton Steel Plant. And I got a job as a equipment reliability coordinator. So basically reliability engineering, phenomenal job. Now, my so life was going great. I had a phenomenal girlfriend where we were together for over seven years, like after, like uh, during, so during that time was like a couple of years, the whole time was seven years. Uh, this woman is the reason I'm alive. This woman cared for me when no one else did. And I'll get into that. But so growing up again, I'm on top of the world. I have a great job. I have a nice car. I have a great education. I am living my life. Out of all my friends, I have, and I always had ambitions. I've always tried to build these little businesses, so forth. I was like labeled to be the most successful kind of thing, right? And then what happened was war in Ukraine began. I don't know if you remember, but war in U Russia started invading Ukraine from the east. And uh, as a patriot, as family there, my brother and I were like, okay, that's it. We're packing up, pack your suitcases, we're going to go. And then I remember talking to her friends, family, and they're like, what are you, an idiot? You're going to go there with zero training. You're not a soldier. A, B, like less than 40% of our men have bulletproof vests. They're running around in running shoes, dodging bombs, equipped. I mean, they're going against an army that's uh, you know, arguably second strongest in the world. What are you going to do? So instead, I started a company called Maidan Clothing. And what we did, same kind of thing we're doing with this, all the merchandise we sold, and we sold a lot, shirts, same kind of thing, stickers, decals, everything. We sold, we took everything we took, we sold all, we bought things and sent all the money to Ukraine to our soldiers, to the battalions. And we didn't trust the government. The government's very corrupt. So we sent it directly to the battalions and the families and the victims. We paid for people's surgeries. We, like, it went really big, right? But doing that as a young kid while uh, running a full-time career and trying to make your name, I remember sitting one time on the balcony and literally, or in the porch and literally feeling scared. 
feeling overwhelmed, kind of like, what am I going to do? I can't just, this isn't something that I can just drop and walk away from. I'm already so committed into this. I'm scared. Right. And I remember one time playing poker with some guys and my buddy's just like, well, try here, try an oxy. And I remember I felt so sick, even though I took like a tiny bit of it, but then I did it again. And it, it made like all my worries go away. So I got into this routine where I would come home from work. I would do a line of oxy. I would lie down in my bed for 15, 20 minutes. And then my brother and I would hop in our car, go to Toronto, anywhere out in G GTA to like one, two in the morning, doing our my done clothing business, raising money for Ukraine and doing all that, delivering packages and coming back. And I would do this for a couple of months. And then one morning, I remember I didn't I didn't know about withdrawals. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know. I thought it was too strong to get addicted. I thought it was like a different type of, you know, I'm like, yeah, addictions for the week. It's, uh, it's it's Canada. You can't be like that. Just just stop, you know, the usual. And then when I wake up and for some reason, one Saturday, we didn't have to sell. We didn't have to go anywhere. I'm like, I'm just going to spend it in bed watching TV with my girlfriend. And I start getting the, the withdrawals, the shivers, the legs, the, the stomach, the everything, the, 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 the heart racing, the mind pacing. I'm like, what the heck is that? Google it, withdrawals, right? So I made a doctor's appointment. The young doctor told me, oh, never mind. Just wean off slowly, cutting down, cut down, cut down your dose until you're, you're done. I'm like, yeah, that's great advice, but I can't. You know what I mean? If I have five pills on me, I'm not going to do one pill. I'm going to do all of them and, and the, what's it called, uh, get a spot for more if I don't have any money and do even more, right? That's not, that's not a good approach. Anyway, so things started spiraling down to the point where I had to move out. I moved into this very crummy little apartment, the really dirty place. I lived there. Literally, my closest friends I considered like my brothers. These guys, it's almost like the phone started stopped ringing out instantly instantly everybody now i was before i was the one organizing trips whether it's you know we're going to cuba we're going to mexico i was fun whether we're going on the weekend it was me that was kind of uh the glue that was holding everything together that was let's do this let's do that let's you know i was fun now i'm no longer providing fun mind you i did push a lot of people away with my behavior right but man one phone call some people, some of my best friends, if it was one phone call, that would have changed me. That would have helped me. One single phone call just to see how I'm doing. And nobody did, right? All except that one woman, Ola. She's the one that nonstop cared for me. She moved on. She broke up with me. She even had a relationship. She still brought me food. She still brought me blankets. Money-wise, the amount... I remember at one point, I finally decided... At this point, I was already on fentanyl, and uh, I like I wanted to get back on my feet. I wanted to get my car back. I wanted to. Uh, I got an interview for a job. I was always good at interviews, and they gave it to me. She spent nine thousand dollars from her own credit card. She just gave me the credit card for me to get my tickets paid off because I had something like twenty four hundred dollars worth of parking tickets alone because I would just park anywhere. I didn't care. I had to get suits. I had to get a laptop. I had to get um, insurance again. All these kind of things. Uh, she just spent it like that just to, to make me feel better, to get me back on my... Mind you, I lasted four months at that job because I was high and didn't work out. But um, 
then yeah, then I went into Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge saved my life. This rehab place, it's called Teen Challenge because it was made originally, I think, in New York for gangs, uh, teenagers that were in gangs. Now the average age, at least the place we were at, is like 33, 35. But um, you go in there, they teach you discipline. You wake up, I forgot what it was, I think it was 6.30. You make your bed, you shower, you wake up in the morning for devotions, you show up in the chapel, you read the Bible, you pray, you sit there, whatever you want to do. Then you have you eat, you have your chores. Then you have your job for eight hours. You could be a janitor, you could be uh, mowing the lawn, you could be uh, take, removing snow, they could send you to the thrift store, you sort their clothes. There's all these jobs to do. Right. You could be a pool boy. I weaseled my way into being a pool boy at one point, had the best tan I've ever had in my life. That was a phenomenal job. Uh, you could be also you eventually you become a mentor for new guys that come in. Right. Like it's a, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal program. So while there, I had this idea. I'm like, look, I did this already. Something that worked. I had this my done clothing. I had this company for T-shirts. Right. I'm like what I love about clothing. It's a walking advertisement. Right. Like if I'm wearing touch by addiction, I run into another person that reads touch by addiction and their family has been affected by addiction. Most likely you're going to spark a conversation. Where'd you get this? I want one. Right. So like for Ukraine, I had this big, uh, big military letters on the back. I still have one. Eventually I can show you. It's called I support Ukraine's army. Oh, my God. I also support Ukraine's army. Where'd you get it? Right. So I'm like, I want to have something like this for touch by addiction for addiction. And uh, again, how people are you talk to people and people are like, yeah great idea great idea but nobody wants to actually do anything right people 99% of people I realized they do not want to take risks they do not want to take action until you show them that there is some sort of progress right nobody wants to do that right as you know you know yourself from starting where you started right when you were going to write a book I guarantee you people told you yeah you're crazy why are you doing this right it's not going to work out until you do and then they call you oh my god how did you do it so anyway same kind of thing nobody budged nobody budged i come out of rehab right it's covid i came out at the wrong time i kept telling everybody i'm like i wish i went in during the covid season because i came in looking forward to restaurants gym all this i come out within two weeks everything's everything's closed out i'm like man i chose absolutely the wrong time to go but anyway I, at that point, gave me some free time. So hanging out with my ex-girlfriend again at the time, my best friend, I'm like, and I share this idea with her. And she was so happy about it. She was such a fanatic about it. She's like, look what that place did to you. She's like, I remember picking you up from the methadone clinic because I fainted. I dropped. She's like laying you down in your bed crying because you look like a yellow skeleton. And, uh, and now look at you. Now look at you. Look what that place did. That place is a miracle factory, like everybody calls it. I want you to help people. I want you to help that place. There's a reason you went through it. You're going to help people. So to the extent that I had no money when I came out, she financed thousands of dollars for the first batch of sweaters, shirts. She paid for the website development. Well, website development we did, but she paid for the subscription for all that. She paid for on Fiverr. I got the designs done. I got all this done. I'm I'm not keeping track of everything. I mean, I have it written down, but I can't think of everything that she spent. She spent countless of money, countless of money, plus um, without ever paying her back, right? She never wanted it. Plus, 
we would get together every Saturday. We'd package all the orders together. We'd send out the ones that were far away. The local ones would drop off. It was our routine. Eventually, she ended up moving forward. We still keep in touch, but uh, here and there. But like, but she has her own life to live, and I have mine. But uh, because of this woman, this made this happen. I would give her more credit than myself because of her. She uh, this this touch by addiction exists, right? So yeah, again, we sent 16 people to rehab this year alone. Right now, we're building up on other projects. We're trying to build up a bit of a base. We're building this book. Touched by Addiction Volume, uh, Stories of Recovery from Addiction Volume 1. We are, I think right now we're about four stories away from completing it, which are about to come in within the week. Then again, the editing process, the illustrating, all that. That I am super stoked about because that's just Volume 1. Then it's going to branch out. Another thing we're doing tomorrow, I will share with you. You will be the first one on your podcast to know because so far only the team knows about it. But... We're putting together, this is just an example of a cell sheet that has nothing to do with touch by addiction, but it's going to look something like this. But what it is going to be, it's going to be a cell sheet for a speaking team. Right now, we had a new member join us, uh, Jamie. He, uh, he's been to jail. He's had uh, drug addiction for, I think, 12 years or something like that. He's, he's had a terrible past. Now... He runs his own Royal Blue Construction Company that won six Hamilton Spectator Awards. I kept thinking it was three. It's six. Uh, this guy is doing phenomenal. He just had a brand new baby. He's, uh, I think, three years in recovery. And uh, so he agreed. He wanted to join Touch by Addiction. And he's going to be leading the speaking team, meaning we're going to be uh, sending out a presentation plus a sell sheet to these people, to universities, to colleges, to high schools, and present out all these kind of like what uh, the knowledge we have about drugs, early uh, signs that somebody might be on drugs, recovery options that there are out there now, uh, how to deal with somebody on drugs, like all these kind of things. Why? Because we're technically experts in it, right? We didn't read about it in a book. We lived it. Right. Yeah. Every single thing we did, we lived it. We know how it works. We know when somebody's on drugs. You can tell right off the bat, like these kind of things. If you you have a few minutes later and you can share the screen, I can show you a quick presentation of what exactly it is. And then uh, if you have the time, if not, if we can do it some other time, I can send it to you. But uh, but yeah, I'm very excited about those two projects. Right. Plus, plus we have a new it should be coming in. I'm hoping. I'm hoping early next week a new item out. Uh, so right now we have uh, we have shirts, women men's shirts, women's shirts. We have hoodies and uh, hats. Now we have something else out. I can't expose it because there's a question uh, on Instagram. Uh, but uh, whoever guesses it gets it right and a free item. But uh, but yeah. So that's where we're at. So many exciting things happen. And, you know, I want to go back a little bit because this has been, I mean, your story, you know, having a good upbringing, right? Being close to your family, then going through some of your own trauma. And we all go through trauma in different ways. It's, you know, but it's the same thing. We typically get, we turn to drugs, alcohol, food, whatever. There's so many different types of addictions because of our inability to handle our emotions, right? And I'm learning about the science of addiction now, which is super fascinating. 
but that we we all have that in common, right? Once we start, we can't stop. We can't even explain it to people. Like a, a lot of people who don't suffer from addiction are like, well, why don't you just stop? Like, why don't you put the bottle yeah. or the drug down? And it's unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way, right? I mean, there's actually, it's proven that it is an illness, right? It is something that happens differently in our brain than people who do not suffer from addiction. So in your recovery, you know, it's, the way I love how you bring up teen challenge, because I, my story, I didn't have to go through treatment, but I have worked with many people who have, I've heard the stories. I've, you know, my, my fiance is actually, um, he's, he, he works at a treatment center, short term, you know, government funded and, and they don't have a very high success rate. And it's very interesting because I know there's been lots of people in entrepreneur, like who are entrepreneurs in recovery who have talked about this, and my dad and I are actually doing a documentary on this is that, you know, people go into these treatment centers that are 30 days, some of them 20 days. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't go through treatment. And yet I was not clear headed after 30 days, you not know, like at all. exactly. I might, I might've been able to think a little bit better and make some better decisions, but really you're not ready to go back out into the life you came from, because guess what? You only know those new behaviors. That's 30 days is not enough time to develop a new behavior. So for you, I'd love for you to share, right? Because you did go through long-term treatment. Like, how do you feel about that? The differences, because I know that you guys send people to long-term yeah. treatment. Tomorrow I did um another rehab and i'm not going to mention their name because it's mm -hmm. a great facility but i did 35 days right and it cost me it cost the company that sent me almost thirteen thousand dollars for 35 days right phenomenal facility i remember leaving that place my buddy picking me up i am gonna take on the world i was high three hours later i lasted three hours yeah. i remember just cleaning my entire house everything and i'm like wait what am i doing why am i doing this oh yeah because i'm high my buddy showed up the next day i remember trying to hide my pupils from him because i was so high out of my face right so it takes the average i think they say the average government program is about three months okay 90 days which is not nearly enough because scientifically it says that your brain takes about a year to two year to two years just to go back to being normal. For those neurons to start firing again in the normal way, it takes that long, right? So if you look at it like an MRI scan of a brain of a drug addict, you will see it looks like kind of like Swiss cheese. It looks like dark areas of the brain where, where neurons are no longer firing, right? You've built such highways around certain spots where now you can only get pleasure from the fentanyl, from the coke, from this, right? Not no longer from going for a walk, from reading a book. Nothing excites you, right? That's why it takes so long. After six months, do you still do you finally see activity in those areas? A little bit of sparks, a little bit of this. Then after a year, you see firing again. Again, two years later, boom, you're back to normal. It takes that long. If you do 30 days. Not to mention, there's factors such as, for example, for myself, most, and it's kind of sad to say, but my main drug dealers, most of my drug dealers, they died within that year that I was in rehab. 
right? You plus, you get a new phone number. Normally you relocate. If you don't, whatever you, people lose track of you. Those aren't like, no matter what people say, drug addict, drug dealers are not your real friends. They, they don't give a, they don't give a crap about you, right? They just want to take your money. It couldn't care less. Like, oh yeah, bro. Don't worry. I got you. I got you. I spot you. I trust you, bro. You're like a brother to me. Yeah, right. You couldn't care less if I drop dead tomorrow, right? Let's yeah. relax. I remember yeah. being so mad. My one of my one my one my one drug dealer. He would go to Cuba literally on a monthly basis, and it will murder me because I'm like I am paying for your trip literally every single time. I was on oxy's at that point. At that point, it was forty dollars a pill. I was doing from five to seven eighties a day, right? So imagine that money, man, I spent two, three days and he's in Cuba, right? And while I'm taking every loan I possibly can, getting myself into like bankruptcy basically because of this guy, but, uh, oh, you're, you're my brother. If you ever need it, no, you know what? I'll bring it to you. I'll even deliver it to you. Oh, wow. You're a saint. You're an angel. Not really. Not really. And how quickly they turn into demons when you don't have their money. Yeah. Real quick. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, definitely 30 days, not enough. Again, mind you, it depends at what level you're at in addiction. Because yeah. that same program I went to where uh, it was 35 days, I know some people that are still sober. It was a 12, 12 step program. They took it to heart. They did it. They, they did the 90 in 90, 90 meetings in 90 days. They did the steps, they have a sponsor, they followed it to a T, they are still sober and they're very proud of it and they should be, okay? My case, I think, was a little more extreme where I remember going to those meetings, looking at my time, looking at my phone, seeing when the dealer was gonna be in the area, leaving the meeting early just to meet up with him to pick up, right? Like that was the terrible thing. I remember, planning my meetings depending where geographically the guy is going to be right which is contradictory completely and stupid but that's how your mind is on drugs right this is all yeah. you can think of so uh 30 days not enough unless maybe you are the most disciplined person in the world 90 day program could happen it's a lot better obviously but there's a reason we send people for a year Right. Plus, I'm a big believer in uh, recommending only things that I've done and worked for me. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't recommend something for somebody. I wouldn't recommend even this pen if I didn't know that it worked well. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess online it says it's OK. Yeah. You should definitely buy it. No. Until I've experienced it. Now I'm going to recommend it. And yeah. I went through that program and I'm telling you, it's a miracle factory. It's a miracle yeah. factory. Uh, some guys go in there, absolute nutcases. Guys out of prison, guys out of 15 years on the street, guys that are fending for themselves, they don't trust anybody that are ready to stab you. Like, obviously, there's zero violence policy, but like, uh, you know, just that kind of thing. Turn to angels. Turn to giving you free haircuts whenever you need it. They don't even know how to do haircuts, but you got <laughs> what you got to do. I remember one guy cutting my hair and he's like, by the way, this is my second haircut I've ever done. When was the first one? Today. Okay, cool. <laughs> There's no females at this facility. Really don't care. But, uh, you know, but like, uh, 
you form such a brotherhood over that year because you're going through such a tough time together and you're growing, right? So it's a, it was something else. It was definitely something else. Absolutely. And I think the community is part of it. I mean, you know, for me, I mean, really, let's face it. I wouldn't have changed if I didn't have the desire to, right? I finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I think when people come to me and they have family members that are affected by addiction, it's like, how do I get them to stop? And it's like, you can't, right? You can just be there for them until they finally stop digging. Because I've, I've hit many physical bottoms. I actually spoke to someone that I interviewed recently, right? And he said, I've hit a lot of physical bottoms, but until I hit that spiritual bottom where I had absolutely nothing left, I wasn't going to change. But then it's like, we have this, you know, epidemic right now, right? Where it's just, people are not getting the support they need. It's so expensive. So unless you want to pay, and even I know people who have gone through the treatment centers that are, and I'm sure they're amazing programs, but they pay you know, 30 plus thousand dollars and they're released back into their old lives. And I think that's, you know, something I want to touch on is, you know, 12 step programs, which is what I went through. And I believe it was that community, right? That fellowship, it was creating that support network. And I've seen people go through the 30 day treatment centers, but they've connected with other clean and sober individuals. They have a support network and that has allowed them to continue their journey. But those that aren't subjected to a community, so to speak, and it, whatever works for you, right? I'm not stuck on one form yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of treatment I think you have to do, but it really is that community. Like, look, when you and I connected, we right away have this, we don't know each other. We live on two totally different sides of Canada, yeah. but it's like, we've yeah. been friends forever because yeah. we have that common, we we know what it's like. A hundred percent. And you're right. You're a hundred percent right. The key is that community, right? Yeah. Like you mentioned before, addiction is like a prey animal. It isolates you. It isolates yeah. you. It hunts you until you're alone. And then it strikes and it gets you, right? If you don't have that sponsor, you don't have that community to reach out to, be like, look, I'm struggling right now. I need help. I need somebody to take me out for a coffee. I need to talk. You don't have that. You're doomed. Right. Yeah. So whether it's 30 day or whatnot, the whole like why I I want like. Even like one of the pe- workers there said uh, about the, the one year program that it's look, this is technically you guys are here as kind of like the worst case scenario. And it's true. Like at this point, you not only do you need your brain to come back to normal, do you need your your literally your friends completely to vanish and build a new system you need discipline again you need to learn to wake up again you need to learn to hold a full-time job you need all that you need this 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 not you know all those kind of things but if you already have those things and you happen to just slip up and you know start drinking again or start whatever then yeah maybe a 30-day thing boom get that out of the way connect with the network system go to meetings so forth could work as well right for me i'll tell you right now the biggest thing and aa will agree all those other places agree was the higher power thing Mm -hmm. without that your uses mine is jesus christ if i didn't have him i'd be dead i'd be dead a long time over other people have different higher powers right but you need to have a higher power because you yourself, you're not, you're nothing. 
you're you you're, like look where you got by yourself right yeah. you're not gonna you you dug this hole you you dug all the way down by yourself you think you're gonna dig yourself out good luck you know how to dig down you don't know how to dig up right <laughs> you need a higher power to show you how to dig up right yeah. or how to come out so uh that's the thing you higher power is the biggest thing for me and what i do now i wake up unless i'm too dead tired which is uh like last night i was working on this presentation thing to like three in the morning just because i kept finding for me it's a formatting if i find that one little space is too long than the other i can't sleep it absolutely irritates the crap out of me so i was up there fixing this thing to like three in the morning i woke up this morning i couldn't read the bible i'm gonna read it later even if it's a line literally if it's like two lines to just to say to read it it speaks to me i'm good i'm good to go i have energy right but uh i i need that i need some sort of devotional book right i've seen a lot when i was at that first rehab i've seen a lot of those books that that are separated by day and you kind of read inspirational quotes kind of daily to do a sobriety truly i thought it was corny and a, a money grab at first no they help they do help yep right you need that absolutely now i you know one of the areas that i focus on is that beyond recovery because i've also seen a lot of people who have you know we're talking 20 plus years of clean and sober but they're miserable and i don't yeah. want that for my life because yeah. like you said right with your perfectionism i think one of the things that we also all have in common is we're a lot of us are go-getters right a lot yeah. of us i think we come into recovery we get complacent we're taught be grateful be grateful and we are but if we're not doing something and we're not like on the hunt, really, then we get complacent. And I think, you know, so for me, it's really focusing on how do we help people discover their purpose, overcome their limiting beliefs, create a growth mindset. So really that relapse prevention. I mean, I know you can't actually stop relapse, right? There's no, there's no guarantee of that. It's up to the individual, but I don't think there's enough um, there's not enough aftercare and you and I have talked about that. So I can't wait to chat more about it in the future, but like really people come out, right. They've built that foundation and recovery and now it's like, okay, well what next? Like you didn't go through all that to do nothing with it, no matter what it is, because you have resilience, right? You're persistent. You're persuasive. I always laugh when people in recovery, you know, they're around the five, six year mark and they're like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have the willpower or the talent to do that. And it's like, listen, if someone told you, you couldn't get loaded, would you have accepted yeah. no for an answer and not yeah. one person to be like, yeah, you know, sorry, I guess I'm not getting high or drunk today. Right. But so for you starting touched by addiction, just like for me starting, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, leaving my corporate job, that was scary. And trust I me, I am, imagine that. I, I am leaning that. in. So my yeah. higher power right now, like not every day is easy, right? There's days I still slip back and I'm so grateful I have the tools. But do you believe that, you know, because of you were inspired to start Touched by Addiction that has almost started to create a life so good that you don't want to go back? Because that's something that I really want to start pushing is helping people discover their purpose. Because when you have a reason to wake up other than just staying clean and sober. I think it really brings your recovery to a new level. 
man, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred percent. I had this vision when I was recovering, laying in. My parents took me in uh, to to go through my withdrawals from fentanyl, and I was on methadone too. It was the worst withdrawals of my life. But I had this vision. I had this vision where I'm driving around at some sort of nice black car. I don't know what kind it is, and I see a homeless person on the street, and I would take them in. And I like tell them to come in and I would pay all off their debts. I would send them to a recovery center. I would get them all clean. I would get them all new clothes and I would fix their life. And that would be fixed for generations to come. Right. Because now their son is going to be fixed, their grandchild, so forth, so forth. And that was my kind of dream to be financially independent to the point where I'm driving around. I take I see a person in a really bad state. I take them in. I fix them. Next person, I fix them. I fix them. I fix them. That was my fantasy. And I'm building up to that. I want to get to that point. That helps me stay sober. That helps me. Anytime I do talks to anybody, and that's what this is going to be about, this kind of public speaking thing, it shows me where I was, where I could be if I slip up. And uh, it reminds me very quickly, gives me goosebumps, right? So it helps me just as much as it helps others. Yeah. Right? So uh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exciting. And I mean, we are go-getters, right? So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't have the capabilities to do that, we do, right? We're capable of so much more than we think. We just have to continue to keep solidifying our foundation because I believe you don't give that up, right? I mean, you've seen, I've seen too many people relapse after they're like, well, I don't have to do my prayer and my meditation and check in with my fellowship. Like, that is just an area that's a given, right? That, that keeps our foundation. And so, so my dad was calling in the middle there. I don't know if you could hear it. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, we need that foundation, right? But I think there's so much more to it. And, you know, so I really, I absolutely love what you guys do. I'm totally behind you. I can't wait to continue to work together. Um, so if people, uh, want to do- donate, they want to um, buy the apparel. Like I love my hoodie, super comfortable. I'm probably going to be wearing it all the time. Yeah. Um, how can they follow you on social media and where can they buy everything? So literally they go on touch by addiction. The website is right there. Touchbyaddiction.com or .ca. It's both linked. It goes to the same thing. Touchbyaddiction.com. If you want to look us up on Instagram, type in uh, touch by addiction or touch by addiction Canada. And same thing on Facebook. Literally, we're the only one. You'll see that handprint, which I, by the way, I trademarked it right off the bat. So nobody can steal it. The problem is I trademarked it like a year and a half ago, and still it's in the same like pending, 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 pending. I'm like, come on, guys, move on. I want to have it. But but yeah, anyway, so um, uh, check it out. Check out the product. Thank you so much, Tamar, for this. I... uh, it's only it's only gonna go up. This is just the very very beginning, and I'm so looking forward to this relationship. I gotta still tell you about Soberlink, a brand <laughs> product that was uh, that was introduced to me really quickly for alcoholics. You literally you take this link, you take this handheld device, you breathe into it, facial recognition. It keeps track on your phone the amount of days you're like your sobriety. So then if you're court battle, if you're with, you know, over a, uh, fighting over a child or whatever, you can be like, look here, I've been sober for three months and here's proof because I've blown into this thing three times a day and you have track. There's no way to cheat the system. 
Soberlink is phenomenal, a new device. Like finally, I think people are concentrating on a little more of a sobriety, sobriety-esque kind of like devices or uh, programs or whatever. Finally, people are realizing this is the true pandemic. This is what people need. This is uh, this is killing so many people. Like, please, you know. So uh, I'm very happy about it. Yeah, so many cool things. Well. Bowden, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm looking forward to the rest of this week. We're actually going to be interviewing the rest of the team and chat and hear their stories because I think that's so powerful. So thank you so much for being on the show. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And don't forget, we have the rest of the team from Touched by Addiction coming up all week long. We know that this time of year can be incredibly difficult for those suffering from addiction and also the loved ones of those who are suffering from addiction. So if you want to help support this cause and you want to help to raise money to get more people into long-term treatment, make sure you head on over to their website at www.touchedbyaddiction.com and buy your hoodie, buy your t-shirt, a hat, uh, so that you can make a contribution to helping to raise money to save the lives of those we care about. Anyways, guys, I look forward to having you on the show tomorrow where we're going to hear from Carmine by Touched by Addiction. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.